and in a rubbish. By any Welcome to church on this morning. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, let's open it to two passages of scripture, if you will. John chapter number 14. And let's also open it up, if you will, to our text. Hmm? Hold your finger there. Yes, if you have a paper Bible. To Genesis chapter number two. Genesis chapter number two. <clears throat> John chapter number 14. And then also uh, Genesis chapter number two. We began a new series on Thursday night entitled Faith in the Holy Spirit. Faith in the Holy Spirit or flowing with God. Faith in the Holy Spirit and flowing with God. There are some things that we need to understand about the Holy Spirit that I believe is imperative for us to get hold of in this particular series. My assignment lies in this particular place of us understanding the Holy Spirit as not being simply uh, something that happens at church. Understanding the concept of the Holy Spirit in our lives is not just something or word of utterance that takes place within the four walls of the church. But in fact, flowing with God and flowing with the Holy Spirit is something that we should be looking for on a routine basis not just an instant. As we indicated to you as well on Thursday night that what happens that we have uh, in a church service is there's a corporate anointing. People come together and they bring their faith and they believe God and the Holy Spirit is able to work through the, uh, the congregation in that manner. But as we understand this concept, we need to also understand the concept that the Holy Spirit is very real every day of your life. Having a desire to be with you and abide with you. Having a desire to have contact with you, not just on Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. We said on Thursday that there are two distinctives about the Holy Spirit. Is that number one, is that he empowers us for the work of the ministry. But it also is that he abides and he fellowships with and within the believer. He abides and fellowships with and within the believer. And the second part is really what we are talking about this morning. His abiding, that he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. It means he's remaining with you. He's fixed with you. And then he also fellowships with you that he is a, there is a spirit of camaraderie. There's a friendship, if you will. 
I was listening to a pastor in the back uh, before I came out here this morning, and he was talking about the fact that essentially that you can mentally ascend to God and understanding him. But it's only through relationship that you really get to know the Holy Spirit. Spending time with him, getting to know his personality, getting to know who he is, is very uh, is something that is obtainable for every believer. So I submit to you that the purpose, if you will, or the objective of what we are ministering here is to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit, whereby intrinsically or intrinsically you know him, his methods, his expressions and his nature, his methods by the practical of the way he does things, his expressions, how he manifests, and his nature, his characteristics. And the reason why this becomes important is because when you are unaware of these three areas, his methods, his expressions, and his nature, you open yourself up to misinterpretations and misrepresentations of his very nature. This is one of the reasons why people can do some strange stuff even when it comes to church when they don't really know God. And it takes pastors to say, no, sit down. That ain't God. <laughs> no, you don't need to do that right now. That ain't God. That, that's not a flow of the gifts of the Spirit. That's you in your flesh acting carnally. So when you are unaware, you open yourself up to misrepresentations and misinterpretations or misinterpretations and misrepresentations of his nature. To flow with God is essentially what we're saying is it means to stream with him. It means to become liquid is what literally the word flow means. So that I am not a solid where God's trying to move and you in the way and you won't go nowhere. But I'm flowing. I'm heading in the same direction. I am a liquid with God. That means I am moving in the same direction. I am moving continuously in the direction that God is calling us to go. And I'm not being a stumbling block to the move of the Spirit in my house, nor in my church. Now, we've also said in the past, as I reviewed just a bit this morning, I'm not going to be too, too long, that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead. The term Trinity does not exist within the scriptures, but the concept does. Trinity meaning the complete unity of three gods or, or God as represented as three or three expressions of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It is not a polyistic belief system. It is three expressions of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three coexisting equally. There is no separation, if you will, between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So the agenda of God the Father is exactly the same agenda as God the Holy Spirit. The agenda of the Son is exactly the same as the Holy Spirit and God the Father. They are in consistent unity of purpose and methodology. Now, turn over to John chapter 14 as we bring this in a little bit more practical. John chapter 14. And let's look at verse 26. Uh, the King James Version of the Bible. This is where we find nine definitions of the Holy Spirit within just this passage of Scripture alone. 
John chapter 14 verse 26 says here, but the comforter. And within this word comforter, you have one to seven expressions of who he is. He says, which is the Holy Ghost whom the Father will send in my name. He says, he shall teach you all things. So we see another expression, another method that he will teach you. And he says, he will bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I said unto you. So within these passages of scripture, this one passage of scripture, we see he says, but the comforter, that word comforter literally comes from a Greek word, parakletos, which means help. This is the reason why we were singing just a minute ago about him being your help. It means standby. It means strengthener. It means counselor. It means advocate. It means intercessor. And yes, it does mean comforter. The Holy Spirit is your help. But he can only help to the degree that you will allow him to help you. If you resist the Holy Spirit, he is not going to force himself on you. If you resist what he has for you, he can't help you. He is your standby, which means I am never alone. I'm not by myself. I'm not without an answer to a problem that I have. He is your strengthener, which means there is no reason for me to perpetually be weak and cast down. He's the one that can strengthen you from the inside out. He's your counselor, which means he's the one that's counseling you concerning the law. But it also means he's counseling you in life. Do this. Go this way. He is your intercessor. The one that's always before the face of the father on your behalf. And then, yes, he is your comforter. I can't say this enough. When it comes to areas when there's a funeral or something of this nature, if we allow the Holy Spirit to flow in the midst of services, he's able to comfort a family more than anybody else in the building. So what do we see here? As we continue on the list, and then he goes on and he says that he shall teach you all things. So then we see number eight. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. And then the ninth one, he is the one that is a reminder. He'll remind you of things that you have learned from the word of God. He'll bring up when you get ready to fly off. Now, you remember we talk about this and that, and it, and it just shows up. And you're like, where did that come from? Because he's a reminder to show you stuff before you show out. So when we make this personal, we should see the Holy Spirit this way, that he is mine. He is my standby. I am never alone. I might feel like I'm alone, but he said I'm never alone. He is my strengthener. When I feel weak, I can say, Holy Spirit, I need some strength. If it's just every hour, God, I need you to strengthen me. He is my counselor, my advocate, my intercessor, my comforter. He is my teacher. He is my reminder. And the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So why are we talking about this? So that you, as you continue to hear this, you'll know this when during the week that he is my help. Stop telling people you ain't got no help. He said, I am your help. Stop telling people, I don't know how I'm going to stand up. He said, I'll strengthen you on the inside. Stop telling people that you're by yourself when he's standing right there willing to help you in every situation that you face within life.
Turn over to Genesis chapter number two. And we will discover where my first assignment lies this morning. As we emphasize one of these latter ones, that the Holy Spirit is my teacher. The Holy Spirit is my teacher. Dare I say that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. He's the spirit of wisdom. Genesis chapter 2 talks about after the creation of man, it talks about this partnership between God and his man Adam. Genesis chapter 2 tells us about a partnership that exists that we need to understand. Take a look at this. I'm going to be reading this out of the New Living Translation of the Bible. Notice what it says in verse 19. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. The Holy Spirit is our teacher. And my assignment this morning and probably in the next couple of sessions is to talk about this area of the Holy Spirit teaching you how or the, for the restoration of your righteous mind. So during the fall, you lost your mind. You lost your mind. You lost how God has created you to be able to see life and how to perceive life and how to also have conceptually engage uh, in life. During the fall, we all lost our minds. And so, while he says some of these things, we're going to look at this, but hold your place there and turn over to Romans chapter 12 and verse number 2 once again. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 2. Look at this out of the King James Version of the Bible. When we all got born again, the day you got born again, God wants to begin working on the way you think to, for him to restore your righteous mind. This Holy Spirit, if you will work with him and not fight against him, will restore what you lost in the fall. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says once again, And be not conformed to this world, but be, notice the word, ye transformed. The Holy Spirit is looking to do a transformation. How? By the renewing of your mind. The renewing, the reshaping, the refashioning of your mind. He says that ye may prove what is good and what is acceptable, the perfect will of God. Now, the New Living Translation says like this. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. And he says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Changing the way you think. The issue that the Spirit of God begins to keeps telling me as far as this church is concerned is the issue is that when we run up against things, he wants you to start doing things differently than you've been doing it up to this moment. That the way you perceive an issue, the way you perceive an area in your life, that he wants you to consider him first and not last. He wants you to consider coming to him for directions and not doing what you used to do and how you always done it. He says, stop being like the world, but allow the Holy Spirit to transform you from the inside out. Wow. By changing the way you think. The restoration of your right mind. 
Because he's saying essentially that the world operates by a lower method than what God has created you to operate. They don't think right. Why are you trying to act like folk that don't think right? The word righteous, let's look at this as a definition. The word righteous means upright. It means conforming to divine law. But it also means wise way or manner. It means genuine excellence. I submit to you within the word righteous, it also means right. The right way of thinking, the right way of acting, the right way of behaving. He says, essentially, to restore your righteous mind, that means I'm going to get you to a position where you think right. Well, what is the right way of thinking? Well, we got to look back at Genesis, and that's why we looked at that at verse uh, number 19. The righteous mind. The righteous mind. Hold your place there, and we're going to look at that in just a second. It is incumbent upon me to first, before we even begin going down this road, to, for us to understand this concept. That the righteous mind is not, is not scriptural memorization. That's not the righteous mind. Because people, when they hear, you know, all right, going to get your righteous mind, amen, praise God, renewal of your mind. That means memorizing the scripture. That's not what he's talking about. That's a part, but that's not the whole. I hear some believers, some Christians, they can quote the scripture, but they ain't no bit more know how to live them. They can tell you the, how, the Greek, the Hebrew, but when they come up against somebody that cuts them off in traffic, they don't know how to live it. It is not scriptural memorization. That is not what we mean by the righteous mind. The righteous mind is, number one, let's look at this first and foremost, a mind that is aligned with the will of God. A mind that is aligned with the will of God or a mind that is in agreement with God. Once again, Genesis chapter 2, watch this. Genesis chapter 2, verse 19, the scripture says, once again, uh, the latter part, he brought them to the man to see what he would call them. God was bringing animals to Adam to see what he was going to call them. God Almighty was playing a part, but his man that was assigned in his purpose was also playing a part. And God said, watch this, he says, to see what that man was going to call what he brought to him. Watch this out of the voice translation. It says, so out of the same ground, the man was made from the eternal God sculpted every sort of animal and every kind of bird that flies up in the sky. Then he brought what he sculpted, essentially, what he made from the same ground that the animals came from, the same ground that he created the man. He says, then he brought them to that man and he gave him authority to name each creature as he saw fit. A righteous mind is a mind that is in compliance, that flows with the purposes of God. God is able to bring things into your life and you will think cognitively the way God has intended you to think. It is a brilliant mind. Then we see the next thing. That is number two. It's a mind that's creative. God's given everybody a talent, but the question is, are you using the talent, the talent that God has given you for his purpose or your own? 
So in other words, he brought these animals, he brought these things to the man and said, what you going to do with what I gave you? What are you going to call it? And everything classified. That's a horse. That's a cow. That's a zebra. Everything that he called it, that's what it became. Turn over to John chapter 6 and verse 38. John chapter 6 and verse 38. A righteous mind is a mind that is aligned with the will of God, but it is also a creative mind, producing something that's original. It is producing something that's an unusual or uh, uh, something that's authentic, if you will. A creative mind, see, nobody on the planet has the same finger, finger uh, print. Everybody has a different kind of DNA. That's the reason why when we pull DNA and we say that's you, that's you. I mean, y'all saw that latest thing from Kurt Franklin's dad. They pulled DNA. And his mama said, that ain't him, that ain't your daddy. I watched it over the weekend. His mama said, that ain't your daddy. But DNA said, yeah, he is. DNA said, we did it more than once. That's your daddy. Her mama said, that ain't him. Kirk said, mama, what in the world? Because no one has the same DNA. No one has the same fingerprint. God has created you special. And he's given you a special, unique gift. The question is, are you using it again for his purpose? Now notice this. Let's talk about this. Look over in John chapter number 6 and verse 38. In fact, let's not do that. Turn over to Exodus chapter 31 and verse number 1. Exodus chapter 31. We'll come back to John a little bit later. Everybody has, when we are referring to a righteous mind, you have something that you are creative with. There's something that you can produce as an original. There's no one that's exactly the same. And regaining your righteous mind is also meaning regaining the fact that God made you special to offer something into this world. Genesis, Exodus chapter 31. Now notice this. This is what the construction of the tabernacle. Notice what it says in verse number one. Then the Lord said to Moses, look, I have specifically chosen Bezel and Ur and the son of Ur, grandson of Hur of the tribe of Judah. Verse number three. I have filled him with, notice he says, the spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability and expertise in all kinds of crafts. Now, let's stop here and think about it. More than likely, this gifting, this creativity that he had originates from his time in Egypt. But God is saying here, no, it wasn't Egypt that gave you the creativity. He said it came from the spirit of God. I pause here because a lot of people think it came from your academics. It came from over here. It came from over there. All schools can do is sharpen what God has already given you. It's already in you. For Egypt, they were using something that God says it came from the spirit of God. Giving him great wisdom, ability, expertise in all kinds of crafts. Verse number four, notice he says, he is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. This boy is bad. (laughs) This boy is bad. He can work with all kind of material. 
He says, verse number five, he is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in carving wood. He is a master at every craft. But back up to what it says once again in verse number three, he is filled. I have filled him with the spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, expertise in all kinds of craft. When we are talking about regaining your righteous mind, it also means regaining your creativity that God gave you from the foundations of the earth. It means that we are acting like God. Genesis 1 and verse 1 says, in the beginning God, notice the word, created. It's a part of his nature to create. Notice over here in Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 16, it says, For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thorns or thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He says a part of his nature is to create. Now notice what he says over Ephesians. Turn over here really quick. Ephesians chapter 2. A part of the nature of God is to build something that hasn't been built before. To start something that hasn't been started before. To create. And he says, I've given you this capacity to originate stuff through your personality, through what God has given you. Notice what he says. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. He says, we are his workmanship. His workmanship. He says, one of the greatest creations that I have is you. Notice what he says, created in Christ Jesus. But not just created for nothing, he says, unto good works. Which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. Regaining your righteous mind is going to defeat areas of inferiority. Well, I can't do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm not sure if I'm good enough. God says, no, I've given you something. There's something creative in you. You can admire them down there, but there's something he wants to do through you. Your life. Your gift. Regaining your righteous mind will eliminate any areas of inferiority. Because I have confidence in my God. Number three, watch this. The righteous mind is also a mind that is integrated with the word. It is a mind that is integrated with the word. The word integration means literally the act of bringing together the parts of the whole. The act of bringing together the parts of the whole. Your mind is supposed to not just simply process scriptures academically. That's wonderful, Reverend. But it's supposed to bring all these elements together. Where God says, all right, now that I've shown you these things, now you are to live these things. And that's the reason why it goes beyond you just memorizing it, but it's becoming a lifestyle. When it becomes a lifestyle, you have been properly discipled. Turn over, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 4, since you're already in Ephesians. should be, at least. <laughs> Ephesians chapter number 4. And let's look at verse 11. One of the things that you'll notice that sticks out to me the most, or one of the things that sticks out to me about the book of Genesis, is that you don't see any five-fold ministry gifts. 
There ain't no pastor for Adam. You don't see no prophets. You don't see no apostles. You don't see any of these offices in Genesis chapter 1 or Genesis chapter number 2 or even really in Genesis chapter 3. But Ephesians tells us why they are there. Notice what he says. Verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints. Well, what does that mean? That means to coach you back into your righteous mind. Because there was a fall. Adam didn't need a pastor because he didn't have to be coached back to what he was. He knew what he lost. He says, and perfecting of the saints, why? For the work of the ministry. Or there we could say, for the work of God's purposes in your life. For the edifying of the body of Christ, watch this, verse 13, till we come into the unity of the faith, notice this, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Until a perfect man, until the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He says, until you get to the point where your mind is brought back. That's why God says, I've given you pastors, I've given you apostles, I've given you prophets to coach you back into your righteous mind. That's who the Holy Spirit uses to train you up. That's why I love coaches. I really do. I got two coaches that work for me uh, during the week. I, have, I love coaches because coaches go out in that field and they say things to you to motivate you so that you can do more than what you think you can do. That's what church is supposed to look like. It is where God trains you and develops you so that you can go down and do more than what you think you can do because you learn more. You're developing more. You become more like Jesus. The mind that is integrated with the word. Now notice now, let's walk this analogy out just a little bit. If you have a coach and the coach says, all right, I need you to do five drills of that, ten drills of this. And you get to game day and all you're doing is quoting drills, you miss the point. Well, the coach said, I got to learn a mile and a half. No, we don't do that on game day. You ran the drill so that you have the endurance to run in this game. You ran this play here in practice so that when the play is here and we call the play, we don't have to pull the book back out and find out what play we're talking about. But this is what Christians look like. God says, all right, you're in the middle of issue now. Use what I taught you. You're like, wait, 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 wait. Because it's not integrated yet. It's not that you got to go back to the manual to find where it is because it's not part of you yet. What he wants is that the integration of the scriptures are so in you that you respond like he wants you to respond based on what's on the inside of you. Turn to Psalms 119. Psalms 119. Look at this in verse 11. Psalms 119. Notice what it says here. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Now, when most of us hear this, we hear it religiously. We're thinking about that I might not sin against God and make, not make heaven. That's not the concept that we need to get this morning. What he's saying is, I've hidden his word within my heart so that I don't run afoul of God and the principles of life. He said that I might not sin against God. He says, notice verse 12, Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. 
teach me how to act right. Teach me how to walk. Teach me how to think right so I can stop thinking the same way I've been thinking and I'll see the same thing I've been seeing. The word there, hide, literally means thy word have I esteemed. Thy word have I protect. That's what it means, hide. I protected the word. I've esteemed the word. It does mean this word, have I treasured or stored up. When you look at the word, is it something that has esteem in your life or is it a religious thing that you do on Sundays? Is it something that you protect? I got, I got, I got to protect this because I've got to live this. Or is it something that you just mentally ascend to? The righteous mind is a mind that is integrated with the word integrated with the word. And number four, this is where we're going to close for this morning. A righteous mind is also a mind of conviction. Conviction. Which is faith in God. It is a mind that knows that life is not limited by mere appearances. I'm convinced of it. Hebrew says it like this about Abraham. He, or, I'm sorry, Romans. He's fully persuaded. A mind or righteous mind is someone that's fully persuaded. We ain't got to light you up every single week. I know him. I know he's going to do this. The Bible says in Daniel, the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The reason why people are not strong and they ain't doing exploits is because they ain't convinced yet. Notice this in Hebrews 11 verse number 3. Hebrews 11 verse number 3 as we close. He says, through faith we understand that the world's were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were made of things which do appear so I'm sorry so that the things which are which are which are seen were not made from the things which do appear let me say that again so in other words what he's saying everything that you see a person that has a righteous mind according to the word of God is someone that understands that everything I see in manifestation came out of the fourth dimension or out of the spirit. Everything that I can touch came from an invisible God that I can't see. And so when that invisible God tells me to trust him, I have to understand if I can touch this and he made this and I can't see him, when he said I can still see in my life. When he says, I'm going to prosper you, and I don't see it, I understand everything I touch is a manifestation of something that that same invisible God spoke into existence. And if I can touch it, that means I can trust that his word, the same word that he's giving me now, is the same word that manifests what I can see. So that the thing that I'm seeing right now in manifestation, that's not what I want to see. When he tells me something different, I can believe what he's saying because he originates it all. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed, and he says, by the word of God. A righteous mind is a mind of conviction. I believe God will. You can't shake me off of it. I know he's going to. I know he said it, and it's settled. I know that I know that I know that I know. This is one of the things, you know, even if we look at this and extrapolate this in a very practical manner, that's why people are attracted to people of conviction. Right now, people are attracted to Deion Sanders. People that weren't looking at Colorado, didn't give a care about Colorado. But every time he go out there, he say, y'all, do you believe yet? Conviction is attractive. You believe what you're saying. God's saying that's the same way with me. I'm attracted to somebody that's convinced. 
that I am a God that answers prayer. I'm convinced that God's going to show up for me. I'm convinced that he can make a way out of nowhere. I'm convinced. God says, for that person, I will show up every single time. The righteous mind is a mind of conviction. A conviction. James talks about to be double-minded. You're unstable in all your ways. Today you're convinced, tomorrow you're not. <laughs> Today I'm running with God, tomorrow I'm running for my life. <laughs> Back and forth. And he says that's the reason why you don't get anything from God. Because today you're a Christian, a conviction, tomorrow you're not. And as long as you stay there, you will perpetually have a zero within your life because you ain't moving. You ain't moving forward in faith. You're kind of staying in fear. And you don't see manifestation. And you're saying, God, why don't you? And God said, well, why don't you? All right, praise God. I got my big clock in the back now. Let's close here. Father, in the authority of the name of Jesus. God, we bless you for this opportunity to have gotten into your word on this morning. God, as you begin to expose these areas of how you are and have been teaching us in the renewal of our mind, God, Lord, we are deciding to flow with you. God, we're going to stop putting up the brakes. We're going to stop putting up the blockers. But Lord, we just want to flow with you. We want to flow with your agenda. And Lord, we want to think the way you want us to think. You've created our minds for a purpose and it was not to be flooded with sin and foolishness. But to process things and to have our minds so much in agreement with you that you are the one that causes us to have the correct desires. That you're the one that causes all of our plans to succeed because they originate with you. Lord, as we go down this journey and you teach us how to think right, we thank you, Lord, that you'll show us how to trust our thoughts. And so, God, we give you praise in advance for everything that you do, how you're setting us up. It's in Jesus' name we pray, everyone is say. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Well, it's giving time. As I hear that rain beating on the building out there. Thank God we are not fair weather things. Amen. Praise the Lord. Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter number four. I'm going to read this out of the New Living Translation. Philippians chapter number four. And look at verse number 19. This is Paul talking about his God. The entirety of the scripture in chapter four is very interesting because he makes it personal. He talks about what we ought to think about and not have anxiety. He talks about uh, the fact that he knows what it's like to be up. He knows what it's like to be down. But he concludes this particular section of the letter. He says out of the New Living Translation, and this same God, what God? Same one he's been talking about. Who takes care of me, he says, will supply all your need from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. King James, the traditional King James says, and my God 
shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Sounds like conviction. Paul said, I know what it's like to be up. I know what it's like to be down. Before that, he says, if there's anything good, we're going to look at this in this course of this, this particular series. He says, there are certain things we need to think about. Don't think about the bad. If there be any virtue, is it be praiseworthy? He says, think on these things. Because of these elements, I can say, my God will supply all of your need according to his riches and glory. Every seed produces after his own kind. I was thinking about it this morning. We have a conversation in the back. I was talking about a sister. I was thinking, man, she sows love. She sows the fact that she gives by virtue of loving people. And she receives love back in return. But perpetually, she asks for some money. And the problem is, see, you sow love seeds, you get, you get love harvest. But if you need some money, you got to sow some money seed. Money seed produces a money harvest. You sow time, you get time. You sow love, you get love. You don't sow no money, you don't get no money. But they give you love. God says you have your harvest. Every seed produces after his own kind. Paul says, my God. The same God who takes care of me will supply you or supply all of your needs, whether it's money, whether it's love, anything that you need, he says he'll supply it for you. But the issue is whether or not you're going to flow with his agenda. Three ways you can sow into the training center. One way is by way of our online giving, which is the training center. That's church.org. Second way is by way of our cash app, which is dollar sign one TTC. Last but not least, you can sow virtually by this area of sowing by way of our mail, which is the training center, 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Gastonia, North Carolina, zip code 28052. And of course, you can sow live and in the house. We thank God for all of the ways that we are able to sow into the ministry, and we thank God for those that have sown and are going to sow already. Amen. Praise the Lord. Congregation, let us set ourselves in agreement with those that are sowing into the ministry. Father, we thank you that you are the one that supplies. We thank you, Lord, that as we take our tithes and our offerings and bring them to you and sow them into the anointing, we thank you, Lord, that you're able to open the windows of heaven and pour us out a blessing in which there's not room enough to receive. We thank you, Lord, because we bring our seeds and place them into your hands, that, Lord, that you are responsible and you rebuke the devourer for our sake. Lord, we thank you because we have a motivation of being cheerful in our giving and not being manipulated, God. We thank you that you're able to make all grace abound towards us. We thank you, God, because you're the one that gave us the power to get wealth. Lord, we thank you we have the ability to help build your kingdom with the resources that you place within our hands. And so, Lord, we give you praise and we believe what you said. We put you in remembrance and we say to our seed, go and grow and produce a massive harvest in the name of Jesus. Everyone in agreement did say, amen. Well, praise the Lord. Well, I am happy to announce, at least at this point, that book number six is now on Amazon. It is a book that I wasn't intending on writing, but I felt like I was supposed to do one more. <laughs> so this book is on how to discern spiritual abuse. 
how to discern spiritual abuse. We don't even have a slide because I just got the email probably about an hour ago that the book did in fact publish. How to discern spiritual abuse is this hope. Maybe I'm thinking last book of this gives you those keys on what to do or how to discern when, you know, particularly because in this day and age, you know, with everything going on, you know, how do you discern when pastors get off now? How do you discern when a ministry gift is abusing or using abusive nature towards you? How do you discern when they are manipulating you through the scriptures and that ain't in there? And so these are, <laughs> this book is intended to be short and it is short relatively to, you know, length of other stuff but it is intended to help you gauge these areas of discernment in concerning this area of spiritual abuse. Spiritual abuse is not new. We need to know this stuff. I saw a video this, had, this last week, a pastor whipping people, and they were all laid down. He literally was whipping people in front of the congregation. I saw the video. I said, Lord, what in the, what in the whole world is going on here? All kind of strange stuff that's taking place within the quote-unquote body of Christ, and we need to be aware or when we are operating in spiritual abuse or when there's spiritual abuse that's taking place from the pulpit. This book corresponds directly with something that I ministered in one session on last year. This is literally just the, the hard copy of the notes, if you will, from that particular series that I ministered. I want to say last October. Amen. So that book is now available. We thank God for <clears throat> giving us the ability to, to write. Praise the Lord. There will not be Bible study this coming Thursday, uh, as I have to be at another meeting on Thursday night. Not too far from here, but I have to be at another meeting on Thursday night. And so for that reason, we will not have uh, Bible study on Thursday night. Amen? Praise the Lord. All right. Well, may the Spirit of God lead and guide you. May your ears be sensitive to his voice this week. May the favor of God wrap you from the crown of your heads to the soles of your feet. As you are pliable to the will of God and not that of yourself. God bless you. We'll see you on next Sunday. Amen. Hello, I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. Thank you for joining us today. We are the Training Center Church located here in Gastonia, North Carolina at 1314 West 2nd Avenue, Suite B. If you're joining us and this is your first time, we'd like to take this time to say thank you. If you're new to our area or if you're looking for a church home, we currently have our services on Thursday evening at 645 and 7 p.m. for Bible study and Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. We'd like to invite you and your family and even a friend to join us live here in person where we have worship every Sunday. Thank you for joining us. Give thanks and be blessed. I'm Lady Aisha W. Smith. On behalf of our pastor, Pastor A.C. Smith, we love you and thank you so very much. <laughs>